Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week we reflect more deeply on the Sabbath School Quarterly for February 22nd to 28th, titled, From Contamination to Purification. Let's take a look now at Christ's ministry in the Heavenly Sanctuary from Daniel chapter 8. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word. Together, we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Well, here we go again. I'm excited about this one. Uh, This is Lesson 9 from Contamination to Purification. And I'm going to go ahead and start off with the memory text. It says, And he said to me, For 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Daniel 8.14 What a great way to introduce Daniel chapter 4 at the very heart of Adventist theology. And the very heart of this chapter is this verse on 2,300 days. And I remember from last week that this day for a year thing. So we're talking about a Bible prophecy again. Yes, we are. And I'm glad that you reminded me that this is at the heart of Adventist theology. And there's a lot of people who have questions about it. They still don't understand it. So hopefully in the next 20 minutes we can uh, bring some simplicity to it. And dig right in. Okay, let's let's get to it. Uh, So this is Daniel chapter 8 they're going to be looking at. And one of the first questions it asks is, how does Daniel chapter 8 parallel with what we've seen in Daniel 2 and, and 7? Well, that's a great question, Buster, because really what we're getting into is the continuation of God's being in charge, this kind of theme for the overall book, and the succession of world empires. Now, Babylon has kind of fallen apart, and so we're not going to see Babylon anymore uh, from Daniel's chapter, uh, Daniel chapter 2 and 7. But here now in chapter 8... Uh, where we see in Sunday and Monday's lesson sort of this description of of the these world empires, how they continue on with the ram and the goat. And so it's identifying where they are in history, and that world history is continuing on and, and explaining God's role in the midst of that. Yeah, and you know, I love that God doesn't just uh, throw something out there and then leave it to the wayside. No, it's a continuation, mm-hmm. an ex- further explanation. As, we, as we're seeing these world powers colliding. Mm-hmm. Well, as we dig right into Sunday's lesson, we have a description of a ram and a goat. What, what, are, what are these, uh, what, are, what is the symbolism of the ram and the goat? Well, we see here that these are two world powers, and we've seen it before, the Median Persian Empire uh, is, is represented here, as well as we see that this goat is actually the Grecian Empire. And also Alexander the Great is also brought up here. And we see them colliding. Mm-hmm. As a result of this, we're going to get into this in uh, Monday's lesson, but there's uh, another little horn that actually rises up as a result of all this. And right away from the beginning of this lesson, I, I think it's very significant for our listeners to, to know that a ram and a goat are two significant animals that were used in the sanctuary in the Old Testament, both in the tabernacle as well as the uh, temple itself, that sanctuary ministry with the priests, and they would offer sacrifices. And so not only are we talking about something that's relating to the succession of world empires, but immediately we're drawn into the, the sort of worship setting that is taking place and that something spiritual is is significant here as part of Daniel chapter 8. You know, I, I love that because even as we see this conflict, we mm-hmm. also see that God has a plan in all of it. Yeah. Well, 
right away it kind of just moves uh, forward. You see some description of the work of the ram. Verse 4 talks about how the ram pushed west and north and south. And eventually, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. And so this ram, and along with the horns, represents the Medo-Persian Empire. So we see this uh, picture depiction of conquest that's taking place, and it really uh, fits very aptly the leadership of Alexander the Great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and we also see here with the goat, uh, as he's coming up, uh, he's also represented by this winged leopard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, shows his swiftness, his power that, that he comes with. Absolutely. So we have this uh, kind of continuation of world history, and then right on to Monday's lesson, we have this little horn. What What is this little horn? Well, we've seen this little horn before. Uh, we've talked about it last week. Uh, it's pompous, blasphemous, all these different things. But here it talks a little bit, a little bit more, and I think the Bible explains itself. So I'm going to, if you, it's okay with you, I'm going to read Daniel eight uh, verses eight through twelve. It says, "Therefore the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken in its place. Four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven, and out of one of them, uh, out of one of them came a little horn which grew exceedingly great toward the south." toward the east and toward the glorious land. And it grew to the host of heaven and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as a prince of hosts. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away and, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down because of, because of transgression an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices. And he cast truth down to the ground he did all this and prospered. Well, here we have this uh, little horn again that has risen up. Uh, and as we talked about last week, it represents uh, Rome, the, the both pagan Rome and then eventually with spiritual Rome. Sometimes yeah. we call this Babylon, but basically those that stand against uh, the ways and purposes of God. Yeah, and you see once again someone opposing the sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a there is a uh, an antithesis uh, to the sanctuary system, kind of like a spiritual conflict. Yes, absolutely. And how do we know that this is actually uh, Babylon? This is the same kind of uh, the same little horn of Daniel chapter seven. You know, uh, some of the things that that's mentioned here is him trampling the the stars to the uh, stars to the ground and trampling mm-hmm. them, <laughs> him exalting himself as high as the prince of the host. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away. We see these same attributes that we saw in Daniel chapter 7 once again showing up here. And so this is how, this is how we can see it. So really, there's just uh, so many parallels that it seems very self-evident. It's obvious that, that Daniel the prophet is trying to draw us in to see a consistency here that, that in God's kingdom and those who are against God, this is the same narrative that's taking place, the same... In Adventism, we like to use the term great controversy, this idea that there's a cosmic conflict between Christ and Satan, this this spiritual warfare that is taking place. Yes, and uh, the same characteristics that we saw before are showing up once again, and the same behavior is happening once again. And so uh, you can see here in our lesson, it talks about both horns are little in the beginning, uh, they then they grow larger. Both are persecuting powers. 
Uh, we say both target God's people. We see these things over and over again. Well, this passage that you just read in, in verse 11 on Tuesday, it, it talks about identifying who is this prince. And I love how in this lesson, it's beginning to uh, identify uh, who this prince is. And there's a number of different references throughout the book of Daniel that make it very clear so that we know on whose side where, where things are standing. And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, we'll come back to this again. Uh, he's identified as the Messiah, the prince. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 21, it talks about Michael, your prince. And then in chapter 12, verse 1, it talks about Michael, the great prince. And so this is very clearly identifying Jesus Christ. And, and again, we're talking about the setting of the sanctuary because we already identified those, those animals were significant emblems in the sanctuary service itself as sacrificial animals. So this is a sacrificial, a, a sanctuary kind of setting that is taking place and a priestly, or to use a nice fancy word that we like in our home, sacerdotal, <laughs> this priestly role uh, and setting that is taking place. And that sets the context really for this chapter and what it's all about. Yes, it does. And once again, can we praise the Lord? Because in the end, the Lamb wins. Jesus wins. Jesus our is where it's all Messiah, at. Messiah, King. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, verse 11, which you also read, it talks about the daily sacrifice. Again, this is the setting of sanctuary, a setting of what Jesus is doing in this context. So we've identified Jesus as the prince, as the Messiah, uh, uh, as the great prince, and so on. But now we have this description of a ministry that that, that priest in heaven is doing for us, this daily sacrifice that is taking place by Jesus Christ in the heavenly sanctuary. You know, and... As Adventists, we talked about this is the heart of Adventism. It's what Jesus is still doing. He's interceding on our behalf. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people feel like, oh, he's between the Father and he's pleading to him not to destroy us. No, he cares about our everyday lives. And uh, that daily sacrifice, his blood is once for all, right? Mm -hmm. And so exactly. that's still happening. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is where it's all about. Some people get caught up in you know, Bible prophecy, all these these beasts and symbols and stuff like that. But you, you miss all of that. Uh, you misunderstand all of that, I should say, if you don't see that Jesus is at the heart and center. Okay. So with that being said and fear being cast out, let's look at this. <laughs> Dale 8.14, right. Wednesday's lesson. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. What, what is this? Well, you know, I'm so glad you asked because this has got to be, again, probably the most significant verse in the Bible for Seventh-day Adventists in understanding the heart and core of the ministry of Christ in the sanctuary and what it's all about. And, and since we brought this up, I can't help but insert just a little bit of Adventist history. <laughs> Please At do. At the very beginnings of our church, we had a number of people that were drawn to this text. Uh, people actually, we tend to talk about people in a North American setting, but really there are people around the world in in South America. You have Manuel Lacunza in Europe. You have Joseph Wolfe and Edward Irving in Australia. You have uh, Thomas, uh, uh, Thomas Playford in India. You have Daniel Wilson. All of these people are bringing the same verse, Daniel 8, 14, 2300 days, looking at when the sanctuary, uh, the, the, this, the, decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, which would have happened about 457 B.C., and looking fast forward 2,300 days or years, 
to about the year 1843-1844. In an American setting, William Miller was the same one who studied that verse and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, if if the Bible's talking about this cleansing of the sanctuary, it's going to take place about 1843 or 1844. It has to be Christ's uh, second coming yeah. when he cleanses this earth by fire. And then only afterwards, as they continued to do more study, did they understand, oh, well, actually, that's not quite right. It's the cleansing ministry of Christ in the heavenly sanctuary, that Jesus is doing something special up in heaven to prepare a place for us to prepare God's end-time people for uh, when he will come and claim them to, as his own. So Jesus is doing a priestly ministry um, that is taking place in the heavenly sanctuary. So this verse, probably more than any other for understanding Adventist theology and everything else, this is the heart and core, and it's it's therefore very significant. Okay. You, you know, I'm very glad you said that because... Remembering Daniel chapter seven, mm -hmm. we saw this the scene of judgment beginning. Yeah, and uh, we talked about it last week, which is there's no need to fear here. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, Jesus is serious about caring for us, but also looking at after us. Is he's not a God that's distant. He is a God that is involved and he's looking. And for the I can imagine the pioneers and the people around the world that are figuring this out and finally coming to to realization of what was happening starting mm -hmm. in 1844. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up a great point because what is it that needs cleansing? You know, if there is an investigative judgment, we don't have to be afraid because Christ is our priest. He's our advocate. Well, really what's happening is, in at least in the old times of, of ancient Israel, on that Day of Atonement, one day a year, this is a day of humiliation What they would, as uh, corporately would... Uh, take all of their sins and the high priest would go into the most holy place of the sanctuary and then after he's done he would put his hands on the scapegoat who would then go out into the wilderness and and so we see again this sort of same kind of thing where jesus is in that heavenly sanctuary in heaven he is in the business of getting rid of sin yeah and at our, our duty he's compelling his people to cast away their sin to to place it upon him who's already sacrificed himself for us and to come back to him collectively and individually. So the investigative judgment has a purpose. This idea of, of Jesus in, in, in judgment, this that's taking place, Daniel eight fourteen. God has a special work for us and he wants, uh, he wants to put an end to sin. And the only way he can do that is to eradicate sin from our lives. And the only way we can do that is to surrender ourselves to Jesus and let us allow him to cleanse us from that sin. You know, I, I want to go a, a verse before, which mm -hmm. leads us to the Thursday's lesson. Yeah. And it says, uh, Daniel eight thirteen. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation and the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? You know, it's talking about this. This timetable says, what is the question asked here, and how does it help us understand the answer in the next verse? Well, you know, it's always hard to want to be patient, but here we have a little bit of back to timing and, and setting forth these 2,300 evenings and mornings. So this is this daily that this is talking about, this daily ministry that's taking place. How long shall be the vision? Well, 
uh, to that question that's being asked, we find the answer that is given that at 2300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So it's, it's setting up that context once again that there is a time prophecy that is going to help explain how long that's going to be uh, so that there is some clarity uh, in, to answer that question. You know, for those who might have be having a question about the day-year principle, uh, later we'll look at and see Daniel's reaction when he finally understands what this means. Mm-hmm. And by his reaction alone, we realize it's not days, this is years, yeah. right? You know, a really important point that uh, our listeners need to pay attention to, our early Adventist pioneers, they were Wesleyan Methodists. They believed, and, and basically why that's significant is they, is they believed that uh, we have free will, free choice. We are not predestined one way from all eternity past. We have God never forces himself upon people. We have a choice to make. And so if you see that all everything's predestined, well, the Bible prophecy really doesn't make a lot of sense. But if we do have free will, then then we have the opportunity to choose which side we're on, especially for for those living at the very end of time. You know, I'm glad you said that, Michael, because... Part of the Christ's duty in the sanctuary is not just to uh, bring judgment in the sense of, oh, you're guilty, you're innocent, but he's also compelling us to turn our lives around, to repent and return back to him. But it's our choice. It's an invitation. Yes, it is. Well, I think that pretty well wraps up for this week. Daniel chapter 8 is, again, see parallels. Daniel chapter 2, 7, and 8. There's a consistency in Bible prophecy And there's an underlying message here that God says, I love you. I'm in the sanctuary in heaven. I'm doing a a special ministry. If you will trust me uh, that God wants to cleanse us and forgive us from our sins. Yes. And, you know, uh, if we don't have trust, uh, we just heard one of our student weeks of prayer speakers speak yesterday. uh, Faith, trust, and recognizing God's steadfastness is what it's all about. Being connected with him. And once again, this is no need to fear. This is a need to, once again, be in love with God because he's revealing these things to us. They're not secrets, but we have to want to know them, and we have to want to know him. Well, I think that puts a nice wrap on this week's lesson. So this is uh, Soup and Swoops signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.